0: This is recording number 10971, from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, February 19, 2012. This is the first message in the series titled, Unleashing the Power of Family. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, Your House, His Home. Now, beginning today and continuing through until Easter, we're going to be dealing with a number of themes related to family life and particularly under the canopy of unleashing the power of family. God meant for family, I guess I should say this first of all. Let me, let me because we're, we're in a church and sadly... Um, the church tends to paint a very narrow picture of what family should be or is, and uh, you know, just here this morning, families are configured in lots of different ways, right? There are single parent households. There are single adults living alone. There are um, there are blended families. There are uh, couples. Uh, without children, there are retired couples. There's, there's, I could go on and on. There's many different types of families represented here. And the point is not that your family looks like some sort of stereotypical thing. The point is that God wants to work in the midst of wh- however your family is configured. And he meant for family to be very, very powerful. And that will be evident to you when I say... All of us have seen how much damage family can do. But God, but you know, as horrible and as you know, difficult as that is even to contemplate for some of us, the damage that has been registered in our lives as a result of family or family members, the good, the good uh, um, part of that story, or the, the flip side of that, is that God meant for family to be powerful for good, for securing people, for bringing healing to people, for blessing, great blessing to flow through people, to people through family. And uh, because sin has kind of messed up everything, including family, we need to come to God's word and find out how we do this thing in a way that unleashes the power God meant for family to have in our lives and its impact for Him and for His kingdom and of His love on our lives. And so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be talking about things having to do with uh, marriage. We're going to be talking about uh, parenting and single parenting and um, a number of things. And today we're going to begin by talking about your house his home and I want to remind you of a very familiar verse in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 your house his home how to make your home an embassy of the kingdom of God I've asked you to turn to Luke chapter 19 but I'm going to remind you in just a moment about Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 now, an embassy, because the subtitle of this message is How to Make Your Home an Embassy of the Kingdom of God. An embassy is a little island of your homeland in another country. When I travel to Asia or to Europe, as I have a, a couple of times, I'm not some sort of world traveler, but you know, I, I try to, I have it on my bucket list to get to every continent before I die, with the exception of maybe Antarctica. I don't like snow. But anyway... <laughs> When I travel to another country, it's comforting to know that there's a a little spot, a little bit of my homeland, of the United States of America, in that country, the the embassy of the United States. It's not under that that territory, that little geographic spot, where the embassy is defined by the perimeter of that that, uh, building and its surroundings. That spot is not under the control, not under the rules, not under the laws Of the nation it exists in it is under the rules the laws of the United States of America it's comforting to know that I believe with all my heart that God meant for our homes now your home may be a room that you that you rent it may be a an inflatable mattress on somebody's floor it may be an apartment a condo it may be uh, three bedrooms two bath that's underwater by the, by the way, um, <laughs> and I, you know what I mean. Whatever it is, wherever you reside, where, wherever it is you call home, um, where you make your bed, that place I believe God wants to to be an embassy for the kingdom of God. Because look, dear ones, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm an American. I'm, I'm you know, from the United States of America. But I'm really not. I'm really a citizen. And if you are a follower of Christ, so are you a citizen of another land? I'm a citizen of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. And a place where I live, 941 Prospect Avenue, I want, and I believe God wants that spot to be a place where the rules of the kingdom of God apply. It is not subject to the rules of this world and the one who is over this world. An embassy, an outpost of the kingdom of God. And now, I I know what it's like to, to feel like, you know, my home is not, what I would like it to be. And you can even kind of get a little bit embarrassed about it. I'm joking because when I say this, but there is still some truth to it. I, for a long time, was embarrassed by my TV. (laughs) If you've been to our house, you know it's in a cabinet with doors that are closed because we only open it when we we have to watch it and nobody's there because we had one of these massive, you know, CRT televisions And I I finally come into the uh, 21st century, and we actually bought a little bitty flat screen TV that we put in there. But when I hauled that old thing out, it took about five guys. I'm not kidding. And we set it on the floor, and Lauren, who's living with us now, could not believe it. It's like she's never seen anything like that in her lifetime. It's like a minivan. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, somebody was over. I think it was uh, the Olivas And one of the boys said, "Oh, I'd like to live in there." And he (laughs) could, he could have. That's the funny thing. (laughs) (laughs) My son, my grandson, was using it for a slide. You know. (laughs) Anyway, so I know what it's. You know, you can feel maybe like you don't have the home you wish you had. Can I tell you what? It doesn't really matter. This isn't your home. But that place where you reside, God wants to be an outpost for his kingdom. An embassy of the kingdom of God. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I I said I want to remind you of a a verse from Revelation, the very last book of the Bible. Chapter 3, verse 20, where it says, I stand at the door and and knock. Jesus saying these words, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And sup with him. Which means I'm going to hang out with you. And he with me. Now of course Jesus is referring to my life. In that scenario. He's In your life. Our hearts. Is what he wants to make. Where he wants to make his home. But, but he used the language of a home. My heart does not have a door. That somebody could knock on. But he used that language. That descriptive uh, phraseology, I stand at the door and knock. And I, I think that the Lord is standing at the door. I, I, really, I don't think that this violates that scripture at all when I say, I believe the Lord is standing at the door, not only of the, heart of, you, of the door of your heart, but the door to your home, your house, today. I stand at the door and knock. If you open that door, I'll come in and I'll hang with you. I believe that's what the Lord wants. So we're going to look at four passages in the Gospel of Luke. So you're going to turn some pages today. We're going to read a number of verses. So uh, just get ready. Four occasions when Jesus visited someone's home and what happened there. Because from that, I believe we can learn about what the Lord wants to have happening in my home, my house, your house where Jesus wants to make an embassy for his kingdom. So Luke chapter 19, and we're going to start reading in verse 1. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Jericho is a city uh, east of Jerusalem, not very far. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Anybody here consider the IRS agent your best friend? A tax collector is usually not, not your best buddy, not the guy you want to see at your door. Zacchaeus was not liked, not only because he was a tax collector, and in those days, you know, they, he was collecting taxes for an occupying uh, nation, an occupying uh, power, Rome. He wasn't even collecting taxes for his own nation, he was collecting taxes. Or Rome, he was hated for that. And tax collectors in those days made their money by by filling up or fulfilling a quota given to them by the taxing agency, and then whatever they could squeeze out from you beyond that, that would be their own. And uh, so he was hated. And not only was he hated for those reasons, but he, he was also hated because he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. So Jesus is coming through town. You know, there's every, every child in, in a Sunday school has heard this story before because Zacchaeus was a short guy. And uh, so they can, we, the tendency of Sunday school teachers is to think that the kids can relate to him because he's a short guy. Anyway. So uh, Zacchaeus... Here's that Jesus is coming through, and you know, it's like a celebrity, and he wants to see what's going on. So he sought to see Jesus, verse 3 says, and who he was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, Zacchaeus, up in the tree, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house so he made haste and came down and, and received him joyfully but when they saw it the crowd they all complained saying he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner as if they weren't themselves but you know anyway then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord look Lord and when he says look it, it's not just an exclamation you know like look you know it's Look, see this, it's happening right now. Look, Lord, I give, not I will give, I give half of my goods to the poor. Right then, the man is reversing the trend of his life. Something radical is changing in this man's life right before Jesus' eyes and before our eyes as we read the scripture. Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And I want to submit to you that when Jesus shows up at your house, one of the things that's going to happen is repentance. And repentance is not beating your chest and, and you know, feeling bad about things. There can be, Look, there's a godly sorrow. When I have sinned and I have trespassed against God, there's a, there's a righteous and godly sorrow that should be attending my response to Him. But that's not what repentance is. Repentance is deciding to go the other way. I've been pursuing a path that is not godly, and I choose today to turn around and go the other way. And that's what happens here with Zacchaeus. Jesus shows up at his house. A man hated by everybody else. And Jesus not even caring that his reputation is being soiled by going to a sinner's house. He comes and a man's future is changed. The arc, the course of his life is redirected. If our homes, if our houses, if our bedrooms are going to be places where the kingdom of God is represented then look, there needs to be, doesn't there, some repentance happening in my life and yours? Ways that we've been pursuing life in an ungodly fashion, dear one, they need to come to an end. And we need to turn and go God's way. Luke chapter 10. So back up a few chapters. Verse 38. Now it happened, as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word but Mar- Martha excuse me was distracted with much serving and she approached him Jesus and said lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Now, if you ever have Jesus mention your name twice in the same sentence, (laughs) you might want to listen up. Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. Is there anyone in this room who is worried and troubled about many things? Go ahead. It's all right. I know. I'm not taking notes. <clears throat> you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. What she was doing was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and we, will f- and, and we could um, uh, read in another place and find out what she was doing in addition to just listening to him she was also anointing his feet with oil which meant she it wasn't just you know your garden variety uh, extra virgin safeway brand olive oil what it was was a a, f- a perfume a perfume that was worth a year's wages that's how expensive it was And she broke that open and she poured it out at his feet as a, as a symbol of her devotion to him. If your house, my house, is going to be an outpost for the kingdom of God, can I tell you, it needs to be a place of worship. And that doesn't mean you invite Arnie and the band over, (laughs) you know. Uh, that's a good thing, but you could do that, but And it doesn't mean that you, you know you crank up the uh, iPod with uh, the latest worship tunes. It simply means that devotion happens there. <clears throat> i got behind on my slides here a little bit. We're talking about if our houses are going to become his home, they need to be a place of private devotion where repentance happens and where worship takes place but not only is the process of my house becoming his home a process of that place becoming a place of private devotion but it also means that it becomes a place of public ministry this scares us a little bit because there's socks on the floor at my house you know there's stuff that I'm not exactly prepared to you know the idea that my house could become a place of public ministry is a little intimidating sometimes I I, I was thinking about this you know when when um, we invited uh, Lauren to to live with us for a while while they're preparing for their wedding and I was thinking wow we're gonna have have to be on our best behavior dear I'm not going to be able to run naked through the house anymore. <laughs> now I'm reading uh, Frank- Benjamin Franklin's biography, and the guy used to do these things. He used to take air baths, where he just sit naked in his room with the windows open. Now I've never done that, but anyway, you, you get the point. I was a little bit nervous. <clears throat> I wouldn't want to have I wouldn't have want to have spy cams in my in my house. And so when it comes to the to the notion of my home being a place of public ministry, that can seem a little bit intimidating. But look, that's what an embassy ultimately is. It is where the transactions of your homeland are accomplished in the land where you are residing. The transactions of the kingdom of God are they, they, they emanate from our homes. They don't just fall from the sky. The things that God wants to do in people's lives, and He wants to do a lot, dear ones, your neighbors, your friends, your workmates, He wants to do a lot in their lives. It isn't going to fall from the sky. It's going to emanate from your address. You know, I was thinking about this uh, the other day, and, you know, I, don't, it, I, I didn't take an accurate survey, so, you know, take it for what you think it's worth, but I was thinking back through our life together, Sue's and mine, and uh, of all of the people, the unbelievers, that we've actually got to come into our house, neighbors, friends of our kids, their, their friends as parents, people from work, of all the people that have actually come into our home, the vast majority of them have later come to know Jesus as their Savior. And we never, it was never a plan. It's not like if you come to our house, we're going to preach to you. No, never like that. But there is something about this, dear ones. God wants to dispense His grace to people. And it's going to happen at your address. So, Luke chapter 5 and verse 27. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. Now, it seems like the Lord is picking on tax collectors. But uh, this is another one, Levi. And Levi is... um, also known as Matthew. And he was sitting at the tax office, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Three syllables, two words. I don't, I'm not certain that there have ever been two more powerful words except for let there, or more, a more powerful phrase that has ever been spoken by, by the Lord except for let there be light but he says to this guy, Matthew is also a tax collector, and he's sitting at his booth so that he can you know, catch people on their, on their routes and take a toll. He's a tax collector. Jesus comes by and he just says to the guy, no preamble, no setup, walks up to him and says, Follow me. Amazing. Verse 28 So he left all, rose up and followed him. Three syllables, two words that changed a man's life and the trajectory of his life forever. There's a book in this Bible called Matthew. Then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. So this guy is not, he's not a seminary graduate. (coughs) He doesn't know all that he's going to know. He's newly minted believer. He's a newly minted believer. So he does the one thing he does know how to do, and that's throw a party. And he just figures if I can get my sinning buddies in the same place where Jesus is, something good might happen. You could do that. (laughs) And their scribes, well, I should finish reading. And there were a number of tax collectors and others who sat down with him, and their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, Duh! I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. When your house is a place for public ministry, salvation will come there. People will encounter the saving grace of Jesus and be transformed by it. Further up in that same chapter, at verse 17, we'll read our final story. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by and uh, who had come out of every town in Galilee, Judea and, and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Notice that. Because none of them get healed that day. None of these guys get healed that day. But the, present, the power of the Lord was present to heal them. But their hearts were so choked off to him. So closed off to him. And what he was uh, there to do. That they didn't receive the benefit of that power. There will be someone who does though. Then behold men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed. Whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. So they, these guys have a friend who's sick, sick enough that he can't get around on his own. And so they carry his bed and they bring it to the house where Jesus is. They just want to get their friend to Jesus. They figure if there's anybody who could do anything, it probably is him. When they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down or let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst of Jesus. And much has been made of this story. You've heard this before undoubtedly, but can you imagine just being there the roof starts to come apart and there's stuff falling down and and then this guy gets lowered down on his bed. (laughs) But these guys, they don't care. They don't care what it looks like. They just want their friend to find healing. Verse 20, When he saw their faith, the faith of his friends, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And I can just imagine the little bit of disappointment here. They've gone to all this trouble to tear a man's roof off and they know there's going to be heck to pay for that. And what they're coming away with is, at least so far, not what they expected. They just got... Your sins are forgiven. Well, we all know that that's the most important thing, right? But it's got to have been just a little bit disappointing to them. But the story's not over. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins... He said to the man, he pauses in mid-sentence, he says to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately, immediately, immediately he rose up before them, took what he had been lying on and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, We have seen strange things today. Your house, your bedroom, your pallet on the floor of a neighbor's uh, house. Whatever it is where you're calling home right now. That place you might not even be all that proud of. Maybe even a little ashamed of. That place, dear ones, God intends to be an outpost for his kingdom. An embassy of the kingdom of God where people find healing. We had a grand time this morning of praying for the sick in this room. But what if your house were a place of healing? Where your neighbor, when his marriage has fallen apart, could come and find somebody who will pray for the healing of that marriage? When, when, um, you know, I, I, I almost used a name, but when one of the uh, barista is at the at the Starbucks that you you uh frequent as I do has been in a car accident, which is just this happened once I walked into the store and there was this woman behind the cash register, all banged up bruised and and actually bleeding and i said what are what are, what, did you, what happened? And she said, well, I just was in a car accident, I, but I, I, I can't afford not to be here. i got to work today. And I just said to her, let me pray for you. Now, that didn't happen at my house, but what if the people who, have, who were tied to, connected with, had in you a representative of the kingdom of God, and they knew it? Wouldn't it be transformative to your your neighborhood your place of employment what if instead of being you know kind of the keeping your head low you know what if you decided to be counted as a person who represents the kingdom of god everywhere you go i believe that that's what the lord wants in mark chapter 5 there's a story that a lot of us are familiar with. About a demon-possessed man. The guy was tormented in every way. Tortured by de- demons who had a hold of his life. Demonic spirits. Tortured in the, in the most obscene and, and horrific ways. Jesus set him free and healed him. And the guy wants to go on, what wouldn't you? He wants to go on the road with Jesus. He wants to be wherever Jesus is and to tell his story. He wants to say, hey, this I you have no idea what my life was like, but this guy right here changed me forever. He wanted to go on the road with Jesus. But listen to what Jesus says. However, in verse 19 it says, However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home. Go home your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you.